Hi, everyone, and welcome to podcast episode number 12 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Too Stubborn and Extroverted, an interview with Kelsey Hawkins. My name is Richard Johannesson. I'm Matt Sabatello. Today we're talking with the blogger, Instagram influencer, and student TED Talk presenter, Kelsey Hawkins. Welcome, Kelsey. Hey. I want to tell you a little about Kelsey Hawkins. For most of her young life, Kelsey Hawkins has been a passenger on a Lyme disease journey that has included stops at over 35 doctor's offices and multiple diagnoses. Her tumultuous Lyme journey has not prevented this remarkable young woman from pursuing her passion to become a naturopathic doctor by attending college at the Appalachian State College, majoring in nutrition and dietetics. In the fall, Ms. Hawkins will begin her MD studies at the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Arizona. In addition to her studies, Ms. Hawkins has found the energy to share her health struggles on social media platforms to help others facing similar obstacles. Ms. Hawkins' social media platforms include a beautiful Instagram entitled For the Strong and the Brave and an inspirational blog that can be found at forthestrong.blogspot.com. Finally, Ms. Hawkins' accomplishments also include the honor of presenting a student TED Talk. Ms. Hawkins, thank you for giving our listeners the honor of listening to your story. Kelsey, thanks again for joining us today on our podcast. We'd like to jump right in and ask you some questions about your childhood. Can you give us a little bit of background, um, your background and what your life was like as a child before you got sick? Absolutely. So I was 11 when I started experiencing symptoms. I was pretty young. But before then, I had a pretty just normal, carefree childhood. I had, you know, the best family growing up, a great sister, I was always outside. If I wasn't, you know, inside doing schoolwork, then I was outside, you know, in the woods or playing in the creek with our neighbors. I was very into sports, so I was a competitive figure skater. I was a swimmer, a dancer, a gymnast for a little bit, and just super active and always just really happy and just, you know, loved life. It was definitely a very carefree time in my life. Great. Now, when you, when you, turn, when you turned 11, you started to get sick. How, how did that affect your, your school life and your childhood? Can you describe some of your symptoms that you began to exhibit and how it impacted your life and your, your, your education and your social life and your family life? Absolutely. The way my family describes it is like a light switch is that I kind of up until, you know, then I was living life with my light switch on, just always happy. And then I got sick one night and it really just shut off overnight. I woke up the next day kind of just feeling completely different. Um, I was fortunate enough to not experience neurological symptoms right away. So it didn't impact my schooling too much. Besides that, um, fortunately, I was homeschooled, so any time that I needed extra rest, I was able to take it and maybe make up that homework on the weekend, which was really great, but it really affected just my family life and then my life with sports. I couldn't really play sports anymore. My joints would swell. My muscles would ache. I couldn't eat so much anymore because I started developing a lot of food intolerances, and it's made it really, really difficult within my family. They were so great and extremely supportive, but it just made things like family dinners or having parties and going out to places a little, you know, extra difficult. Wow. So you mentioned that you did not initially begin to exhibit neurological symptoms. Did they develop later on? They did. Probably within the maybe like three years, I started experiencing them more. So did you, symptoms such as like brain fog, things like that, did you exhibit any other type of neurological symptoms? Some, some of our uh, previous guests have had seizures, things like that, or primarily just brain fog and, and um, exhaustion, those sort of symptoms. 
Yeah, so especially the last few years, um, the longer the illness progresses, I've had a lot of problems with tremors, brain fog, and memory loss. Memory loss. Yeah, unfortunately, brain fog is a very common symptom for uh, Lyme patients. So your journey kind of started at 11 and went on for years. It seems like it, it went on over the course of a couple of years and then progressed, it got even worse. And by the time you were ready to graduate high school um, and move on to the next stage of your life, can you talk a little bit about that, where you were with your illness and that transition um, and, and how your illness affected you then? Absolutely. At that point, it had definitely started affecting me more, especially my digestive problems. They started getting a lot worse. I started getting so many more food intolerances and kind of just struggling even more to keep my weight up. Um, so at that point, when I graduated high school, I ended up staying an extra year at the community college uh, for two reasons. One, to finish my degree, but also in hopes that staying an extra year and being at home and just having the opportunity to have more time to see doctors would hopefully give me a year to get a diagnosis. And that actually didn't happen until I transferred to my four-year university. Wow, wow. So you struggled for about, about eight years, it seems like, or uh, you know, close to that. And, and before you got a diagnosis. And now you move on, you go to your four-year university. What, what was it like there? And can you describe how you got your diagnosis? Yeah, most definitely. So the first year, I definitely tried to just kind of, I think, pretend I wasn't sick. <laughs> I'm definitely very extroverted, so much of a people person. And I wanted to be involved in as many clubs as I could and just, you know, continue on and try to be as normal as I could. And then you know, that worked sort of well for my first semester, but of course, you know, it catches up with you, and the more, you know, you don't let your body rest, the more you'll start to feel it eventually. So my second semester started to get pretty difficult. Um, same thing with my digestive system, started to flare more. I started experiencing more weight loss. And then that summer, actually, it met a really dear friend of mine who transferred back up to the school, and she sat me down, and she was like, so I think you should get Lyme tested. And I told her, I was like, well, I've had, you know, a Western blot before, so, you know, I don't, I don't think I have it. And they had told me at the time, because I had gotten a Western blot maybe three or four years into my health journey, that I only had three titers, which meant I didn't have Lyme. And at that point, I didn't know that if you had any titers, it meant you had Lyme. So when she told me that, I ended up getting a more reliable Lyme test, the DNA Connections. And then it came back positive for Babesia, Bartonella, and Borrelia. Kelsey, that's an important thing that I want to sort of walk back a little bit. <clears throat> in, in the uh, introduction, uh, I mentioned that you had seen 35 different doctors before you were diagnosed with Lyme. Can you share with our listeners what types of doctors you saw and what type of misdiagnosis they gave you? Oh, sure. I've seen just about every doctor you could think of, a neurologist, um, rheumatoid arthritis doctors, gotten diagnosed with, you know, fibromyalgia. Uh, a lot of doctors kind of just told me it was, you know, oh, it's just regular growing pains. You know, you'll be fine. Your body's probably just aching because you're going through a growth spurt, you know, and those were typically just my regular pediatricians. I've seen more GI doctors than I can count on my fingers and toes and crazy stuff. Um, that was mostly conventional medicine. And then we started switching more to naturopathic medicine and integrative medicine. So I saw a lot of functional medicine doctors, a lot of integrative doctors, and a couple of Chinese medicine doctors. So Kelsey, tell us a little bit about the differences between the way you were examined, treated, and the diagnostic tools that were used by the Eastern doctors versus uh, the 
folks who are trained in the Western um, philosophy? Yeah, it was just an insane difference. All my allopathic doctors would sit down, you know, typically not really know what's going on, but maybe kind of breeze through my chart right when I got there. And then they would immediately tell me, you know, oh, you're depressed or you have anxiety and you just need to go see a therapist and you'll be fine. Or they would tell me, you know, oh, well, you just probably have irritable bowel syndrome. You know, your body is just sensitive. You'll be fine. And it was typically just this cycle of, you know, try this medication. Here's a new drug. Let's see how it goes. And my body would never really respond to it. And then at that point, they would, you know, pass me on to somebody else. So that was just a long drink cycle. But when I started seeing more integrative doctors, I was shocked by how different they treated me. Even my doctor now, my initial appointment lasted four hours just so he could talk to me, get to know me as a person and know, you know, where my mental health is, where my physical health is, my emotional health. And he truly cares. And now each appointment that I have with him is no less than two hours long. And it's amazing. It's so personalized and individualized. And you can really sense that they care. Kelsey, how did you feel when doctors were telling you that perhaps you're suffering from a psychological disorder? Oh, it made me feel crazier. Because, <laughs> you know, at that point, I, I know the pain is real to me. But when you look healthy on the outside and it's such an invisible illness and it's so difficult for people to grasp, it's so exhausting to have to constantly try to prove yourself and to prove that, well, just because I'm functioning doesn't mean I'm not still sick and in pain. And, yes, you know, I am capable, but, yes, I also need healing. So it was just very draining. I constantly felt like I was just kind of a science experiment, you know, just being passed on from doctor to doctor. Do you believe the... uh suggestion that you might have been suffering from a psychological disorder caused your healing journey to go backward rather than forward? No, I think it actually spurred it because I was started getting so frustrated because we decided at one point, you know, let's just humor them. So I went to several different therapists who all after the first appointment told me, we believe you and we see that your pain is real and we see you're stressed and you're anxious, but we know that it's coming from the pain. So, so I think it ended up. Health, I'm sorry. Cassie, I'm so sorry. Can you say that one more time? The, the mental health professionals were more open to the reality of your pain than the traditional doctors? They were. That's, that's fantastic. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your um, your inspiration. You indicated that rather than being beaten down, and I think this sort of gets to the heart of the, the, the title of this podcast, uh, which uh, defines you as too stubborn and extroverted, tell us about how your stubborn personality uh, and your extroverted personality helped you to deal with the uh, challenges that were presented by the Western-trained doctors. Sure. So I think I was so scared for so long to be open and to let anyone know that I was dealing with any kind of health complication. And when I finally started even just, you know, trusting a few of my closest friends with this information, I was so shocked by how many other people were going through the same thing that I was going through. And I slowly started to, you know, talk about it more and be more open. And little by little, I realized that each time I would, I would have so many people, you know, messaging me or calling me or trying to ask if I could get coffee to talk and ask how I got my Lyme diagnosis. And I was shocked. And I started getting 
and I hate to say it because I don't want it to sound negative, but I started getting angry at the medical doctors because, you know, why are they telling people that their pain isn't real? Why aren't they listening to them? Why are they disregarding them? And I think that anger, in a way, kind of spurred my drive to, I, I want to do something about this. We need awareness. So, so once you had your Lyme disease diagnosis, what was your, your healing journey? Can you describe for us what your journey was like when you started to, to try to heal yourself from Lyme and, and what approaches you took? Absolutely. So I ended up getting treatment right away, which probably wasn't the best route, um, but I was seeing a doctor and wasn't the most trained in my case at the time. So I started 400 milligrams of doxycycline just right off the bat, and I ended up getting much, much thicker and started experiencing symptoms that I had never had before. So I ended up taking a break all of last semester and part of this semester on seeing a new doctor, and we just focused on, you know, IV nutrients, um, let's see, what else? A lot of, like, infrared saunas, different detox methods, and, you know, taking, like, binders, which is, like, activated charcoal, a lot of just different, like, healing supplements and therapies to build my body up and get me strong enough so that when I was ready to go through treatment, I wouldn't just crash. And then I actually just started, I'm on my second cycle right now, but two months ago I started treatment for Babesia and Borrelia. And right now for me that looks like about six antibiotics um, and quite a few other supplements. Wow. So you, so you started with doxycycline alone and that made you very sick and you then realized you had to kind of complement that protocol with an herbal approach and, and a holistic approach and take it from, you really hit it from both sides of, of the aisles, it sounds like what you were saying, right? That's right, yeah. Herbals definitely play a huge, huge part in my process now. Kelsey, I, I just wanted to clarify something. So did, did the doxycycline make you sick or did you get just sicker from the Lyme um, triggered by the, by the introduction of the doxycycline? No, the doxycycline definitely, it was kind of a mix of both. Um, initially, the doxycycline made it so much worse, but after I was off the doxycycline, it kind of triggered the Lyme as well, and then I started experiencing some new symptoms. This was a little bit okay. of both. I'm sorry, Kelsey. So, you, so you, needed to, you needed to first get your immune system and your body healthy enough to introduce the antibiotics. So you took the antibiotics. Then you went through a process of, of healing and, and, um, and uh, I guess, enhancing your immune system before you could reintroduce antibiotics? That's right. So now, now, you're, now you're in the process of taking multiple antibiotics and, and herbal treatments, uh, I, I guess, in combination, or how, how is that working? Are you pulsing your antibiotics? Are you taking them all together? How, how is that working? Yeah, so I do pulse my antibiotics. I am two weeks on, and then I get a week off. And then I do that for about six weeks. And then at the end of each six-week cycle, we revisit with my doctor, kind of evaluate everything, see if we need to tweak, like add or remove anything. And then all the time when I'm on the antibiotics, I'm taking my herbals with them. And then during my weeks off, I'm continuing the herbals as well. And how, how is this uh, this um treatment plan working for you? It kind of depends on the day. It's definitely hit or miss. The first cycle of six weeks went pretty well, as well as it could. Um, I was definitely tolerating orals pretty well, which was something that, like, a pick line was kind of in the question for a little bit. If I couldn't tolerate orals, 
but it looks like I'm doing okay so far, so oral route it is for now at least. But the second cycle has definitely been a lot more challenging. I think my, especially the first week, I usually spend, you know, somewhere between in bed or just trying to, you know, hold something down in my stomach because there's just so much like nausea and vomiting and other digestive symptoms that start coming up. But most of the time after the first week, my body will get at least like a little bit adjusted. Um, and now, like, this is my second week, and it's definitely been a lot better. I've been, you know, able to go to classes and take exams and, you know, think and function a lot more easily. Is the doctor that you're treating with now, Kelsey, a naturopathic doctor? He is not. He's an integrative doctor, but he has a lot of naturopathic processes that he includes in his treatment. So you indicated that this journey that you're on has, um, has inspired you to become a naturopathic doctor. Can you share with us? why your journey has uh, given you that inspiration. Absolutely. I always kind of wanted to do something in the medical field, especially when I got sick. I just felt like that was where I was being called to. And I really wanted to be a doctor, but especially after going through the process of dealing with just traditional medical doctors and kind of being passed on from doctor to doctor and disregarded, I, I didn't think I would make it through, especially after being told that, you know, I had a Western blot and I didn't even have Lyme. I didn't know how I could make it through a program when they didn't even believe me in my illness. When, you know, I'm sitting here with positive test results, it was just crazy. So I ended up finding a naturopathic doctor program and it truly opened my eyes because it's modeled exactly like a traditional medical student's program. But we also are trained in botanicals and homeopathics and, you know, hydrotherapy and all these really wonderful healing methods and how to truly counsel patients. So I think that that was something that really opened my eyes. And as soon as I found it, I just had such a peace. And I knew that, you know, I felt really good about that's the direction God was calling me to. I just wanted to be that kind of doctor that, you know, my doctors who diagnosed me were for me. Wow. So, Kelsey, you mentioned the testing. What Lyme testing did you have done, um, but, you know, to get your diagnosis? Was it, was it the traditional um, two-tier testing from the CDC, the Western blot, and the ELISA? So, three years into my journey, I did have a Western blot, but they, I only had three titers, and I think you need at least five. So, at the time, my doctors told me, like, oh, you don't, you don't have Lyme. Lyme doesn't exist in North Carolina anyway, so, you know, you don't have enough titers. Um, I didn't know it was about, you know, titers. At the time, I was just so young that I heard you don't have it and kind of just clung to it. But then when I found out that if you have any titers, you know, you have Lyme, that was really, really eye-opening. So I ended up having a DNA connections as well. Gotcha. So the DNA, the DNA connection, is that the PCR blood test where they actually look for the DNA of the Lyme bacteria in your blood? So that one, they do check it, but they check for the DNA in urine. Oh, Okay, and, and that, that came back positive where you had the Lyme bacteria DNA in your urine? It's, yes, yeah. So this one, uh, because Lyme hides, you know, in your muscles and different, like, body tissues, I had to work out for, like, weightlifting for about 30 minutes, and then I had to go and get, like, an hour and a half deep tissue massage, and then I had to wait an hour, and by that point, you know, all the lactic acid and your muscles are kind of clenching and expelling, you know, whatever they're retaining. So then when it goes through the filtration process, they test for urinalysis. Oh, wow. So now, is that, is, that, is that similar to a PCR blood test, you know, a PCR test where it looks at the DNA? Is that, is that the same type of uh, concept? 
It is definitely the same type of concept. Yeah, they're definitely looking to target the specific DNA. Okay. Do you know the, the, the specific name of that test, just for our listeners, in case they're you know interested to learn more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called DNA Connections, but it is C O N N E X I O N S. Great. Thank you. Absolutely. So Kelsey, after uh, you've had all of these, or during the course of the time that you were engaging in all of these challenges, uh, you decided that you wanted to uh, reach out to folks who are in similar uh, circumstances and you wanted to offer them support. Can you share with our listeners how you've done that? Yeah, most definitely. I started first by just moving very slowly and telling a few of my closest friends. And then when I found out that they were also dealing with, you know, these you know, invisible health struggles, I started feeling like I was supposed to be doing more and like I wanted to reach more people. So I started my blog uh, for The Strong and Brave. And I try to keep it mostly, you know, just positivity, but also talking a lot about, you know, health and Lyme and vulnerability and insecurities and kind of just not repressing anything because I think it's so easy when you have chronic illness to just want to repress it and pretend it's not there. <laughs> but there's so much healing that can come from just being truthful and using your voice and speaking out and raising awareness. And it really helps other people get their diagnosis, and it also helps people who have families, you know, to really understand what that person is going through and be able to relate to them a little bit more. So I started my blog, and I've been writing a lot. I post a lot on Instagram and just try to keep that page updated, and then also gave a student TED Talk for our campus this past semester. Can you talk to us a little bit about that student TED Talk and what the, uh, how that came about? Because both Matt and I are, are very jealous that you've done a TED Talk and we haven't. <laughs> I'd be so happy to. So my topic was actually the fundamentals of healing a heart. And I kind of talked about how when you have Lyme or really any chronic illness, it's so easy to get discouraged if you're treating for a while and you're not seeing improvements. And it's so easy to just accept the mentality that I'm not healing, I'm not moving forward, purely just because you're not seeing physical process, you know, and physical improvements. But I talk a lot about how healing encompasses so much more than just seeing physical improvements. And if you focus more on healing your heart and looking really deep into yourself, then you can see how much you've grown as a person, how you've healed, you know, emotionally and mentally and, and all the other aspects, you know, spiritually. And that healing isn't just a linear physical process. You know, it's so much more than that. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that process? One of the things that we see developing during this podcast is that the people who are successfully managing their Lyme, and in some cases getting healed from their Lyme, are, are defining the different levels of healing that they have to go through. They have to first heal emotionally. Well, actually, they have to first acknowledge their vulnerabilities, and they have to be comfortable with their vulnerabilities. And then they have to go through an emotional healing and then strip away different types of, of bacteria and disease. Can you share a little bit um, with our listeners about your approach to that stripping away of various challenges. Absolutely. For the longest time, especially when I would see my integrative doctor, he would always ask me, you know, I just want to check up on you, but how are you doing mentally? Because from the outside, you seem like you're very strong, but I think it's easy to repress everything. So how are you doing? 
And for a long time, I would just say, you know, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, this is great. <laughs> really just focus on, you know, all of my insecurities and all my problems will just kind of go away when I'm better. And I put a lot of that, just like my hope, into everything will get better when I'm better. And I wasn't really being honest with where I was with my life, my insecurities, and some of the challenges and trauma that I had experienced and especially when I got my Lyme diagnosis and started speaking out, one of the things I started talking about more was, you know, how important it is to face our insecurities and be vulnerable with people. And it hit me one day. I was like, why am I talking about how people need to do this and why am I not doing it myself? So I started a lot by just journaling. You know, a lot of the trauma that I had experienced was stuff that I didn't really want to vocalize just yet and put into words. So I started just writing everything down and have so many journals of just all the trauma, all my feelings behind it, you know, how it affected me, what I want from it, and how I can move forward, and really just focusing on how can I heal myself emotionally first. And just being able to journal and have that as a release was so healing for my emotions and made me feel so much more grounded and accept who I was. And then a big part was healing myself spiritually. I really put a lot of my time and effort into trying to improve my faith and to understand that, you know, God has a will and a purpose for this and that something good will come out of this. So healing those two aspects were the biggest for me. And tell us how that then helps you with the next step in your journey. I think I was just so much more comfortable with who I was, and I loved myself a lot more. I wasn't blaming my body. I used to be so angry at my body and say, like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you hurting me? You know, why do I have all these limitations? And instead, I was able to just stop, you know, stop the blame, accept who I was, and accept that my body wasn't doing this to me. My body was trying to help me and heal me. And my relationship with myself became so much healthier, and I became so much happier and just had so much joy in my heart. And I felt so much stronger just because I knew even if I never made it to remission, I'm in such a better place now. And I love who I am in this moment that even if I have to struggle with this forever, that I'm comfortable with where I am. And that, would then, that then put you in a position where you could begin your healing journey with both your Eastern and Western um, trained doctors. Yes. Yeah, it definitely just made me so much more open-minded, and I was just more comfortable and just had more of a peace about everything. So, Kelsey, your pattern began with first making peace with yourself emotionally, then healing your body and your immune system, which then puts you in a position where you could pursue antibiotic and herbal treatments. Is that a fair description of the pattern you had to pursue to regain your health? That is definitely a fair description. And I think that's very consistent with Dr. Rolls' analysis, Rich, where he mentioned antibiotics within a weak, with a weak immune system is is just it's useless. So if you don't have a if your if your immune system is not functioning, antibiotics are not going to be effective in you. So that's that really is consistent with what we've learned from Dr. Rolls. Right, but you're, but if you're you're also if you're not spiritually ready and you're not emotionally ready, you're not going to be physically ready, right? And you really have to you have to get right with yourself. You have to get right with God. You have to get right physically, and then the rest of these protocols can help you, right, Kelsey? Oh, it's so true. I remember growing up, especially in gymnastics, something my coaches would always tell me is, if you tell yourself you can't do something, then you can't do it. And I remember always trying to have just that little voice of positivity in the back of my head. And even if I wasn't sure I fully believed it, just to look at myself and say, you can do this. And it really does change everything. If you have that self-belief, then 
you can really accomplish just about any dream that you have. So, Kelsey, what lessons do you have to share with our listeners uh, so that they can protect themselves from the challenges that you face, both with um, you know, being bitten by a tick and, and how you dealt with that bite after you, or I should say your family dealt with uh, your bite after you were bitten? Yeah, so I think something I would say is, you know, don't give up. And I know it probably sounds like a cliche, but truly keep fighting. And even if they, you know, give you a Western blot and say, oh, you don't have it, fight for something better. You know, know your worth and know that you deserve better. You deserve to not be in pain. And you deserve to live your life the way that you want to. So just keep fighting, you know, fight as hard as you can and have such a great support system. I think that would probably be the biggest thing. Just keep fighting. So, Kelsey, how do you feel today? Can you just give us insight into where you are today with your life, how you feel, where you feel you're at with your journey? Sure. Today I feel probably in one of the best places I ever have in my life. I think I'm just so happy and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. You know, Lyme has been such a struggle, but it's opened so many doors for my life and helped me really form the person that I am today and discover my passions. So I think I'm just so grateful and happy and humbled to be able to have this opportunity to reach people in a new way. That's great. And you're moving on to medical school in the near future, um, from what we learned, and uh, you're going to be an act- actually a naturopathic doctor, right? That's right. Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a great inspiration for everybody listening, that you struggled with Lyme disease, you were sick for nine years, yet you were able to graduate with your undergrad in a week. Congratulations. You're graduating next week and move on to to medical school for your naturopathic doctor. And and you're truly an inspiration to so many with Lyme disease. You've you've fought and fought and fought, and you're graduating and you're moving on and you're helping others in the process. So it's just so wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Well, Kelsey, we want to thank you for uh, participating in our podcast and and being such a great interview. Uh, I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot based on how you uh, went through your very challenging journey. So we want to thank you very much for sharing your stubbornness and your extroversion along with your many accomplishments. So to our listeners, we have a couple of calls to action. First, uh, if you'd like to learn more about Kelsey Hawkins, this wonderful young woman, please follow her Instagram at For the Strong and Brave and her inspirational blog uh, that can be found at forthestrong.blogspot.com. Second, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share this with your friends by using the social media buttons at the bottom of our uh, post. Third, uh, please don't forget to subscribe to this show on iTunes to get automatic episode updates of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. This is a new effort on our part, and we're really looking for input so that we can uh, develop the podcast you'd like to hear. If you'd like to hear more wonderful people like uh, Kelsey Hawkins, uh, please uh, write us a review. Uh, We make a point to read every single one of your reviews, and we want to make the changes you want us to make. So thank you for listening. I'm Rich Johannesson. Matt Sabatello. And this is Tick Bootcamp.